Hey, what's going on, Connect family and everybody who's listening within the state, within the region, even around the world? My name is Pastor Derek Fry, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. Listen, we're starting a new series entitled One Blood, One Blood. We're going to talk about unity in the last days for all days, for all eternity. How do we have unity? And so we're going to unpack that over the next few weeks. I believe this is a timely message, a timely word, where we're going to kind of pull ourselves a little bit out of some of the crazy and the chaotic that is happening in our world today. And I really felt, for those of you called Connect Your Home and as your pastor, that it would be a good idea to kind of talk about some of these subjects so that we can uh, lead from the front. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to make every effort to keep the bond of peace. You know, the scripture tells us that we've been given, as Christ followers, the ministry of reconciliation. So, that's, so that says that when you see, like, two people apart, your job's to put them together. The Bible calls us uh, to be uh, peacemakers, and blessed are those who are peacemakers. The Bible tells us that if it be possible, as far as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. For Christians, I've said this for years. Conflict uh, is an assignment, not an accident. And so we see more of that than any other time in human history, perhaps. And so these, uh, these divisions, instead of diversity, this disunity instead of unity, uh, this pulling apart instead of coming together, God wants us to be bridge builders. God wants us to mend the brokenhearted. God wants us there to be racial reconciliation. Can I have an amen in the chat out there today? Listen, before I get into the series, let me just highlight uh, some things that are happening at Connect. Of course, we've started small groups. If you haven't gotten in a small group, now is your time. Go to weconnect.cc, look up groups, and you're going to be able to see uh, uh, physical groups hybrid groups, online groups, critical that you get in a group. And speaking of groups, we have what's called city groups. City groups is just small church, okay, everybody? There's been a little bit of like, what is that? Let me just tell you, it's just small church. The reason being, we can't have big church right now because of COVID, but how many know we can gather and we can still grow in a COVID world? And so we've been having city groups. They've been extremely successful. Uh, they're all full. In fact, we're adding new ones in the month of October. So on October 11th, uh, that'll be next week. We're going to add a couple more, and uh, we're in four strategic locations. So important that we begin to gather physically as, as, as and where possible, and I want to encourage you. They have been fantastic, so don't miss out on those. So listen, as we get into this series, I just want you to come into it uh, with an open heart. Let's not close our, you know, kind of like cross our arms uh, spiritually to this message. I don't know. Let's just see what he's going to say about this. Rah, 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 rah. Come on. Let's just open up our heart. Let's be open. I'm not going to ask you to uh, shed your whiteness or your blackness or your Hispanicness or your, or I'm just asking you to submit to your Christ-likeness. Can I have an amen out there? And I'll say this too, just, you know, just so I can be human and transparent. You know, there's been uh, uh, over the years a, a level of uh, ignorance that I, I have had with regards to, uh, you know, racial justice and, and, and certain social issues. And, and so over the last few years, I've developed uh, some strategic friendships, uh, and they truly are friends in my life. And I've come to learn some things, some more, not all. And so I'm not uh, uh, um, here to say I'm an expert on these things uh, that will, I believe, help 
all of us. Instead of seeing uh, us hurt in the midst of all this, we can be helped in the midst of all the things that we're seeing. But my job primarily is over the next few weeks to give you, to give me, uh, give all of us a biblical perspective on how we should think, talk, act with regards to uh, race and racial relations. And so this series has been brewing and stewing in me for a little while. We addressed um, in pieces some things related to this in uh, months back uh, due to different things that were happening within our country. But I made a commitment to myself and to my leadership and unbeknownst to you perhaps to uh, come back to this in a more comprehensive way. And and this won't be the last time as well. I also want to highlight some people in my life that I I was just sort of indirectly talking about. But uh, I'm thankful for friends like Ken Clater. And, uh, and, and George Davis, uh, who have really uh, spoken into this message series that I'm talking about. And, and so a lot of things that I'm sharing with you, I've, I've learned and or gleaned from them. And of course, a, a person that you might not expect, but Robert Morris, just, just really feel like, uh, you know, has a great um, uh, uh, understanding of this subject as well in, in the modern times that we're in. So don't expect me to talk about the things that are scrolling through your IG account, your Facebook account right now, or CNN or Fox or whatever it is you listen to, I'm going to be speaking to you from the Word of God through this series because in these last days, we need to learn how to lead from the front as Christians. Can I have an amen again? Amen. So listen, uh, here's the topic today. How do we get here? How do we get here with, with some of the things that we're seeing all around us, some of the crazy, the chaotic, the, the you know, some of the, um, you know, uh, uh, positive protestations all the way to the perhaps negative ones as well. How, how do we get to this, uh, uh, to a place where we're in 2020 and we still have uh, these racial issues that exist today? Uh, we're going to have to go back, but I want you to see what God says uh, about how we should be. In Acts chapter 17, really our theme text for One Blood Acts 17.24. I'll be reading from the New King James. And by the way, this is just an introductory message. Uh, We're going to get into some really uh, interesting topics. We're going to go there on a few things. You know, I've been known to step into some muddy waters a few times in my career. And so, uh, you know, uh, next week we're going to talk about what would Jesus do in a world like today and how would he lead and live. Uh, I'm going to talk the following week a little bit, you know, just dabble into uh, and talk about like, you know, white supremacy and, and, and kind of the black conscious movement and those contrasts and where do they stem from and come from. So it's going to get spicy, but today we're just kind of kicking it off, okay? Um, some of you, I can't see your faces, but it would probably be a very quiet room um, after I said that. <laughs> All right. Um, Acts 17.24 says, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of the heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands. Now he dwells in human hearts who have accepted him by grace through faith. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. So he doesn't need anything, but he chose to need us. Since he gives all men life, breath, and all things. Verse 26, here's the key word. And he has made from one blood. Come on, everybody out there, say one blood. Come on, say it again. Say one blood. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling, okay? So the Bible is telling us not only has he determined the when and where we live, but he's determined who we came from, who we came from. The Bible is telling us that he is, he is God and that he has made all nations 
from one blood. And so if we as believers actually uh, uh, believe in or ascribe uh, the Genesis story, the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2, then we must come to the realization that, that uh, God really did form all of us from one blood. You could say, uh, you know, one woman and one man. Um, we all came, we believe as Christians, uh, you know, the Bible-following Christians, that, that there was uh, a population that came from just two people. Uh, there was one Adam. There was one Eve. There wasn't a separate. There wasn't an Asian Adam and an Asian Eve. There wasn't a black Adam and a black Eve. There wasn't a white Adam and a white Eve. There was one Adam and one Eve. We'll talk about their coloration, their pigmentation in coming weeks. So from that perspective, uh, we see from Scripture, we all come from them. In fact, it says all nations. Now, when we think of nations, we oftentimes think of countries. We think of land and such. Um, and we think of like the United Nations. We think of like whatever, Great Britain or, 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 or North America or something like that. But in the Greek, this word nations is the word ethnos. Ethnos, where we get ethnic or ethnic group. And ethnos, by definition, is a multitude of individuals of the same nature or genus, a company, a troop, sometimes referred to as a swarm, a tribe of people, a, 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 a tribe or group, a race, a race. See, we all came uh, from uh, uh, one blood, uh, uh, two people, Adam and Eve originally, and we are all one race. You know what it is? The human race. And this is where we derive this term ethnos is where we derive this ethnic group. And so when you see nation, think ethnos. When you see nation shall rise against nation, we need to think it's not a country. It's a race or it's a group of people. And so God made uh, all people, one race, to come from one blood. I want that to sink in. And God is saying, and we will discover, that though we are different in some respects and we have certain distinctives about us, we are actually way more alike, way more alike, than we are different. And I think we don't realize that. And the focus uh, is so different. And as a result, we uh, make the differences the problem. And so not, not only does the Bible give us this evidence, but science does too. Science does too. Science always confirms what the Bible already says for those of us uh, who believe in Scripture. We, 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 end up, we end up going to science, then over time we, we, we come to the conclusion, oh my gosh, it was always there in the Bible all along. But some of you may have heard of the Human Genome Project, the Human Genome Project. It was begun in uh, 1990. Uh, a lot of countries were involved, the U.S., Great Britain, China, and they were on a quest to discover or get a better understanding of this thing we call DNA. And they tried to, or they were attempting to uh, better understand the markers that made up uh, human beings and their DNA. And as they got into it, they discovered some amazing things. And as a result of the discoveries, uh, uh, we, you know, we've seen an evolution years later. I think the project was finished in 2003, but, or 2013, through 2003. When the project was finished, all these things begin to emerge, new, new sciences. You know. uh, you, in fact, you can go to like Ancestry.com. Some of you probably have done that. Spit in a cup, you know, send something off. You can discover your relatives. I, you know, 
if people from the started trying to figure out if they were my role, I'd be like, no, you're not, you know, because I don't want you as my role. Anyway, um, but sometimes there are these, these, these discoveries that have been incredible. Like sometimes they've been able to figure that, that there's some people on death row who were innocent uh, or vice versa because of uh, the discoveries uh, that, that resulted from the Human Genome Project. But what they discovered is that they, that, is that they all came from um, this, this Human Genome Project. It was, it was so big, you know, by the way. It was like 13 years long, all these major countries. But their biggest finding was that of the 3 billion base pairs, the, uh, the, the markers that make you, of g- the genetic letters that make you and human beings, watch this, all of them, they discovered through this project that all of them, in all of humans, were 99.9%, 99.9% identical in every single person. They did all this to discover what the Bible already said. So this means that when we start to look at each other, you look at you and you look at and, and you look at me and all that, that I am more like you and you are more like me than you realize. In fact, turn around. If you're with somebody, just look. You're, you're more like me than you realize. And that might upset your wife right now. Okay, I'm sorry about that. But you're, you're, you're very, very similar. The only, we're talking about a 0.1% difference between each other because of our, our, our DNA. Are you following me? So science is confirming what, that we are way more alike than we are different. And so the conclusion, in fact, uh, you know, even though there are these distinctions in our height and in our weight and in our skin, our complexion, our eye color, uh, our hair texture, human beings in every racial group, are essentially the same. That means that, that means that if you play that out, that blacks don't instinctively run faster or jump higher or dance better, and Asians are not genetically gifted to be better at math and science, and whites uh, are not uh, designed to, to love NASCAR or opera, and Latinos are not all amazing in soccer or baseball. We are genetically 99.9% the same. It's our cultural influences that have helped to create these distinctions that we so often misapply and attribute to race. I'll say that again so that it pops for you. It's often, it's not our genetic uh, makeup. It is our cultural differences over time, we could say, that help to create these distinctions and these unique, unique differences that have often been misapplied and attributed to our race. And so when you look back at Genesis chapter 11, there is a story that helps give us context to help us as people understand, uh, you know, where we are today. In Genesis 11 verse 1, I'm going to read a few verses here, but it says this. It says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language, and all the people of the world used the same words. In other words, all the people of the world who came from Adam and Eve, one key relationship, by the way, not monkeys, we have, a DNA, we have a DNA that is 70% similar to, 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 to the monkeys, but, but, but that's a big, big difference. There's a 30% there that's a big difference. And on top of that, they don't have a soul. I don't want to get into all that. But we all migrated uh, from this key relationship, Adam and Eve, and before everyone scattered to the utmost parts of the earth, 
we actually were all pretty much gathered in one spot. This is what we believe as Christians. And scientists actually have determined as well, they believe that all of human history traces back to a particular region in Africa. And we believe that biblically, if you look in certain texts within Scripture, we can't confirm precisely where the Garden of Eden was, but we know based on certain rivers and, and, and the, the location that it, that it is somewhere in Africa as well. And so we can see that this whole relationship, this key relationship, and this uh, this spot was where we all were at one time and where we all began. And God intended for everyone to scatter abroad uh, at, with one language, uh, not having all these distinctions that we have today. But that didn't happen. And this is, this is a little, I hope I can do a good job with this. I'm going to throw this pen because it's bothering me. Okay, but at the same point that that was happening, man... Um, he determined, basically because of his unredemptive nature, that he didn't need God. But yet God had decided and determined that, that there was to be a, God wanted a relationship with man. But man decided, I don't want a relationship with you. I don't want to be dependent upon you. And so man went on his own. And, 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 and he decided to build a city. And he decided to build a city and a tower up into the heavens. And this unholy ambition became a problem. And so God came down to earth uh, and to see what was going on, disappointed. And so in Genesis 11.4, it says, They said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, speaking of man, and a tower whose tops is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. See this unholy ambition. Let, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. You can see when there's a holy ambition, this is a good thing. When it's an unholy ambition, this is a bad thing. And it, and, and it's, it is uh, that they begin to do. Uh, now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Then it says, come let us. By the way, let us is speaking about God. You can see early in Genesis, the Trinity uh, surfaces right here. Let us, the Godhead, Father, Spirit, and Son, go down and go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, as a point of interest, man discovered that if he was united with purpose and, and with language, that there was nothing they couldn't do. That is still true today in a measure, okay? But God didn't create man uh, to go on his own, to go his own way. God created us to be in relationship with him. God decided because of relationship to actually need us as well. He doesn't need us, but he decided to need us. And, and, and so God also knows that this ambition was bad for man. This, it was dangerous. It would create ultimately some serious problems. So God had to put a stop to it. So his solution was simple. He would, uh, you know, if you ever want to, you know, kind of bust something up just confused the people's ability to talk and so he he intentionally uh confused their language and then he scattered them all over the earth and we'll talk about that more in coming weeks but the best way to divide and conquer people is 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 when they can't communicate well and then the question is why? Well, I believe he used this, he leveraged this in a sense to encourage man to reach out for him. Acts chapter 17, I think it's in verse 26 that, you know, talks about God did this so that we would, man would perhaps 
because we have free will, we have our own volition, he would choose, he would, he would perhaps reach out to God, though God is not far from him. So God is, he's been the whole time waiting for us to reach out to him, and he'll be near to us. And then it, his ultimate plan was that through his son, he would save humanity through his son, and, that, and so, that, so that man wouldn't just go to touch heaven, man could be in heaven forever. And then while here on earth, later, he would fill him with his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where we could talk to God directly. And so Acts chapter 2 is really more than what we realize. It's a restoration or redemptive work of the Tower of Babel experience. I know that was a lot in there, but I just wanted to give you some framework. So in verse 8 it says, So the Lord scattered them all over the earth, and they stopped building this, this city. So one group spoke this language. Another group began to speak this language. And, 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 and based on those things, they began to go off in different directions and, and different locations. And they, over time, began to adapt to the climate and to the area and to the surroundings, which, by the way, had, had, um, had, had probably connected in some ways to the pigmentation and skin color. We'll come back to that. But many of the adaptations we see today are a result of this exodus. The first exodus, in a sense, was from Babel. And the differences are ones of culture, not of race. So in fact, when you see the adaptations of people around the world, the eyes, the skin color, the hair color, etc., most differences are related to the amount of melanin in your skin and the pigmentation of your skin. And that's why two people can be listed uh, as black and have totally different skin color. It's just different amounts of melanin, as it were. In fact, my skin at different times of the year can be more closely connected to my black brothers and sisters than another black person uh, and based on their melanin level. Uh, and, 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 and that's why sometimes it's absurd to split apart or to divide over these racial differences that are connected to pigmentation or to melanin. It's really not a skin issue. It's other issues. It's more of a sin issue. And so human nature has always had this bent, unless it is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, unless it's been redeemed uh, and we become a new creation in Christ Jesus, we have a tendency to zero in on the differences, which are minor, not major. We ignore the 99.9% where we are the same, and we focus on the 0.1% where we are different. And the Bible and science confirm we are more alike. Now, one of the signs of the end times, which we are approaching rapidly, is uh, an increase uh, in racism. Racism. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 with me. Uh, I'm going to begin reading there. It says, Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. We're going to have a little a private meeting. They said, tell us, Jesus, when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. They want to know, what are some of the signs? And so Jesus says to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and they will deceive you. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So they're like, how are we going to know? And then he says, for nation will rise against nation. Or we could say ethnos against ethnos. 
See, it won't be wars and rumors of wars. That's early. But when you're getting towards the end, when you're getting really close to his ultimate return, you'll know because nation will rise against nation. It's not a country. It's a people that will rise against another people. In other words, one of the big signs of the end will be racism. I'm just trying to get you to see the status of our world today. And I don't know if you're paying attention because it's on the rise. I think you know that. And some of it, by the way, has come into the church of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but it's not okay for those racist motives and and mental attitudes and and ideas to permeate the church. And we decide because someone looks like X or someone looks like Y that we're just going to broad brush someone because of that. Maybe something bad happened because of one person or two people or even 25 people. It's not right to favor someone who looks similar. And by the same token, because they have the same amount of melanin, nor is it okay if we're uh, 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 to, to discard someone that looks different than us because of the melanin level that we have. And it says, kingdom will rise against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. This is a sign of the end. So what is racism, Pastor Derek? What is, I'd like to add to it, prejudice, because it's another, it's another tier, a more common tier. So let me just define a few things, and I'm just going to blast these things out pretty quick to you. Um, and so I believe it's in your notes. If, you're, if you have those, you can just click the note tab, and it'll be there for you. But racism is defined as hating a person, as, as hating a person because of their race. And we do have this in our nation, there's no doubt, and we'll talk about that. But racism is also believing that one person is superior or inferior to other races. Another way to say it is racism is questioning God's creation. So you might be white, brown, black, red, or yellow, but in Christ... We are red on the inside. The blood of Jesus is one of those things that unites us, and Christ wants us to understand this. Uh, So we're questioning God's creation. Racism questions God's plan, or we could say his redemptive plan. He desires to redeem, ultimately, every ethnicity, every ethnic group on the planet. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says, they were singing a song unto the Lord. and said, you're worthy to take the scrolls and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood... uh, Uh, You purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Revelation 5, 9. Revelation, uh, excuse me, racism also questions God. See, see God, uh, what is it? John 3, 16, God so loved, what? The world. So we're questioning God when we're not doing as his children what should be, we should be characteristic of our father, of of our God. So racism questions God. But what is, even though there is, that does exist in the world today, by percentage, by, um, by, by volume, the more common problem is, this next tier is, the more common problem is prejudice. Prejudice. So this is more common, more prevalent. Prejudice towards another race is, is extremely common today. Prejudice is to make a judgment about someone without having all the facts. It's to make a judgment about someone without having all the facts. If you broke the word down, pre, before, uh, Judas, judgment, before judgment. See, our judicial system currently right now, uh, (laughs) though it's been difficult, it's, 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 it's designed on making a judgment after 
We have all the facts. But in our social systems today, oftentimes we are making judgments before our relational environments before we have all the facts. And so prejudice is really our biggest problem in our country t- today. And there is, there is hate, but there's more judgment than there even is hate. And, it's, it's, and in its subtleties, uh, how it manifests, and I want to do that over the weeks too, but it's progressive. And so if we don't deal with the prejudice, the progressive problems of the prejudice become aggressive problems of, race, of racism. And so most of us that are listening uh, today within the sound of my voice are not racists at all. But probably we all wrestle with some form of prejudice towards people even though we don't really know that person. And that is a problem. And if we're honest and we took time to reflect uh, and we took time to try to understand, seek to understand before we could be understood, you'd probably have to agree with this. I would have to agree definitely that there have been levels of measures of intermittent uh, aspects of prejudice over my life as I began to reflect and look through the lens of my experience. I, on a personal note, I remember, this, this is not super vulnerable, it's just a story, but I remember dating um, a, in high school, a uh, really pretty, beautiful Puerto Rican girl in my high school, my junior year. And apparently it was, it was, it was a hot issue in our school. I, I didn't understand why it was so dramatic. I remember coming to school every day, and, p- and my friends were acting kind of funny, a little bit more reserved, and they wouldn't say why. And there was a lot of chit-chat, a little snickering, you know, in the hallways and things like that. And because of it, I remember my girlfriend um, being confused as to why I would be interested in her. She would say things like, you know, uh, why, why, why do you want this? Why do you want this? And I'm looking at her, I'm like, isn't it obvious? You know? And, and, and so uh, now there, there was this clear um, sunburn. She had, it was clear that she had some type of a sunburn there from before, that, and I just didn't get it. And I really needed to get it. It would have helped. But, but, but that's a problem, too, with so many of us. We may not be racist, but there's a, a prejudice could be that we don't even want to understand. Okay, and and even more, we don't we don't seek to understand, um, and 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 so I later, you know. Uh, led her to Christ. I remember leading her to Christ in this building. Uh, at one point, we had a Christian bookstore here. And, and though her eternal security was intact, her earthly insecurity was still in play. And she always thought I was going to dump her at any moment for someone better, for some reason. And so in spite of, uh, in, because of this, it, it produced a tension. And so I didn't know what to do. And so I, I decided, listen, I just want to back up I want to be friends. I always want to be friends. I care about you, but I don't, that's not, that's, I don't want to go down this road anymore. And um, I still want to go to the prom with you. I can remember saying that. I, I bought her tickets, and, uh, and, but she couldn't take it. And so, so right before the prom, literally like 48 hours before the prom, she bailed on me. She said, I don't want to go. She gave me the tickets back. I was like, what? That was cold, sister. And, um, and anyway, the Lord helped me with that, and I got a date uh, you know, the, 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 I got a date for, for that night, for that big prom night. Praise the Lord, the, queen, the prom queen from another school. Hallelujah. And when I showed up with her, I can remember seeing uh, this girl that I used to date. And she was with her, her Puerto Rican boyfriend and all her Puerto Rican friends and all her people. And, and, and she returned to what was comfortable and where she found security. And it makes sense now. And that experience left me with questions, you know, how, how do we cross over the lines of, of 
these differences and these distinctions? And how do we have relationships that are successful? And how do we get outside of our comfort zone? And this creeps into the church, everybody. This isn't just in the world today. This is all around us. How do we see others like Jesus? How do we, red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in God's sight. How do we do that? How do we become trailblazers uh, for truth? And how do we become ministers that reconcile? And how do we become builders of bridges? And how do we mix it up? How do we become more cross-cultural? How do we, like in politics, cross the aisle successfully. Look what's going on. We can't even have a civil conversation. God wants to deal with that in this series of messages. Are you with me in the chat? So uh, we just read a minute ago that the Bible tells us a sign of the end times, how we'll know prior to Jesus' return. Racial groups will rise up against racial groups, and there'll be these motives and these mindsets uh, that we have to unravel. And as Christians, as people who have called upon the name of the Lord, it's not acceptable for those of us who have accepted him uh, that those things continue. Can I just have an amen from you guys? It's not okay to speak, uh, have racial jokes and racial slurs and racial stereotyping against our brothers and sisters uh, or God's creation and those that he loves and wants to redeem. Amen. And so when the world is going in one direction, the church of Jesus Christ better be going in the other direction. So how do we get better at this? And kind of step one is I think we have to become uh, educated because we're often ignorant. Ig ignorance isn't sin, but it can become, uh, if it's blatant and if it's, if it's willful, it can be. The reason for racism fundamentally is fear, it's pride, it's the sinful nature, but it's also ignorance. And so ignorance can contribute to the climate of racism. So the truth is, we'll never understand until we want to. And there are people that you uh, work with, and there are people that live in your neighborhood, and there are people that are in your sphere of influence. There are people that come to your church and come to your small group, and they have gone through some very difficult things, and some have and carry some incredible pain, some things they don't even know how to describe. And it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up to declare that racism is evil and Jesus Christ is the answer. Can I have an amen? So listen, we can route it out. We can route out uh, racism with the love of Jesus Christ permeating in our heart and oozing out into our lives. And, and, and does it? Does it in yours? Because there's no program that can fix this, and there's no speech that can help us see it, and there's no government agency, that can, no institution that can help us overcome it. Nothing can fix the problems that are going on in our country but the love of Jesus Christ. Love is the solution. And if it's going to happen, it's not going to happen because the world takes hold of it. It's not going to happen because of some new program, a new, new efforts. It's, it's going be, to gonna happen because those that love Jesus Christ have gotten so filled and so, uh, uh, you know, uh, d disgusted with the current condition that we're in now that they, 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 they're willing to look at each other, not through their whiteness and not through their blackness and not through whatever their pigmentation is, but through the lens of God's love. That's where we need to be. And so now I love you not because of the amount of melanin that you have. I love you because we have the same bloodline, because we are part of the family of God. And that is our common bond through Jesus Christ. And so I, I want to read one more verse to you as I begin to uh, wrap things up. And I just want you to see that God sums this whole thing up in the end of the Bible. 
and, and uh, in the book of Revelation. Um, and, and, and when you get to heaven, there won't be uh, uh, a, a white heaven, a black heaven, a Mexican heaven, a Brazilian heaven. Uh, there may be some heavenly food from Brazil, praise the Lord. But it's just one heaven. It's just, it's just one blood. The blood of Jesus got us there. And I think that if you don't learn how to love down here, you're going to have to go to, like, love school up there. You're going to have to relearn some things that you didn't learn down here. You're going to have to learn up there. And, and you won't be skipping into heaven, you know, like, where my brother's at? Where my brother's at? No, you, you're not going to find them. I'm looking for my brother. You're not going to find your posse, your little, your little uh, particular uh, exclusive uh, uh, tribe. We're going to come into heaven, and there won't be that segregation. And, and you're not going to find people that, that look like you or, and talk like you, uh, like you did on the earth. In the scripture proves this. And God has set up a system where we can't bring racism into heaven. In Revelation 21, 1, it says, uh, 1 through 4, I'll read this. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life. I can't wait to see that which bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit every month, unique fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, the healing of the ethnos, the healing of the people. And there should be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, look at this, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So you're going to come into heaven, by the way, it'll be lit by the Lamb of God. It's so incredible. And the tree of life is going to be there. And the tree is going to yield fruit and leaves that are for the healing of the people that are there. That's curious because I used to think to myself, why do I need healing? Why do I need healing in heaven? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, going, I'm not going to have this body. I'm going to get a new incorruptible body. And, and, and I'm not going to have the, the, the ill effects of, of, of the cursed world and, and, and the diseases of cancer and, and diabetes and heart diseases. I, I'm getting a new body. Praise I was, I was focused on that when I got to heaven. So why in the world would we need healing when we got to heaven? It tells you it's for the healing of the nations. See, I, 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 think, I think that, and we will see that, all the wounds and all the pain and all the problems and all the relational uh, lack of relational reconciliation, that we didn't take the time to let God heal in this life while we are down here. God is going to heal us completely when we get up there. In other words, you can't take those issues into heaven. He's not going to let you take that pain into eternity and those views and those mindsets and those attitudes and, and those scars and those horrible experiences, all the, the hate and the bitterness and the, and the prejudice, it cannot be and it will not exist in heaven. So even though we know Jesus Christ is Lord, is our Savior, we come into the gates of heaven, we come into glory, but before we can enjoy it, we will have to take from the tree of life its fruit and its leaves and we're going to have to eat of it. And as we do, those holes in our heart, in those places that, where we have been broken, will be healed and will be mended. And then the Bible says something else. It says, there'll be something on your forehead. There'll be this, this mark. And the only thing that you'll see will not be the skin color. It will, not be, it will not be your strut. It will not be your look. It will not be the distinctives of earth. What will separate you, excuse me, what will, what will unite you now will be that you have the name of God on your forehead. 
So I've tried to come up, you know, uh, in the past and, and, and connect with people in certain ways. It'll be different in heaven. You won't get to heaven and say, somebody won't come up to me and say, hey, Derek, were you black or were you white? Were you Mexican? What were, were you Brazilian on earth? No, it's not going to matter because the name of God will be upon your forehead and we will be united by that. We all have been washed and we all have been made new. We all become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And scripture says that there will be a multitude more than, than, than uh, any man can number, according to Revelation chapter 7, out of every nation, every tongue, every tribe, singing now. Uh, for the first time, the same song, and it will be a song of redemption and how our God has delivered us and how he's been good to us and how we can have all of eternity together. But I don't know about you. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to have all those things healed and all those mindsets purified and sanctified. I want to allow him to begin that process here today. And so I'd like, I'd like to pray for some of you. As we begin this series and embark on this journey together, I want to pray a prayer of healing for some of you. And so wherever you are, I just want to ask you to close your eyes and, and just kind of bow your heads because I want to believe for the surgery of the Holy Spirit to do what my words cannot do. And, 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 and even though there's a certain distance from us, there's no distance in these prayers, uh, and that you get to a place that, that, is not a, that is not about this world system anymore. It's about, it's about a heaven system, a heaven idea. And so I want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, would you just do what I can't do, Lord? Would you, as you begin this journey of healing, and, and somebody may listen to this on demand later, and I just pray the same spirit that's in this moment and in this room be transferred and, and that it would go uh, from out of my mouth and it would go into their heart in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that you would use us as the church of Jesus Christ to bring healing, but first, Lord, bring healing to us. And so for every person that's been hurt, Every person that has been uh, slurred, every person that has, that has had to live in fear, every person that has been rejected because of their pigmentation and, and the amount of melanin, because of their skin color, because of their, their association with a particular ethnic group. Lord, I pray for the healing, the healing that comes from uh, you, Christ. Lord, you really are the tree of life. Life comes from you, Lord. And I pray that they would be able to just, in relationship with you, find that healing just like they'll find in heaven one day. But I pray that healing begin today for my brothers and my sisters. Lord, unite us. Unite us in Jesus' name as a church. And maybe you're here today and you're extremely disconnected or you feel far from God. Maybe this issue uh, this, this, these racial issues has been part of the reason for that. Maybe there is hatred. Maybe there's hurt. Maybe there's bitterness or rejection there at some level. Jesus came to bring peace to your heart. Jesus came to, to unite our world together. He came to end hatred. Look what the Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.16. He says this. He says, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view when you're in Christ. Even more so... When Christ died on the cross, he actually broke the power of this spirit of hatred and this divisiveness uh, and, and this prejudice. In Ephesians 2, it says it was Christ's purpose, verse 16, to end the hatred between the groups, to make them one, come, to, come into one body, and to bring them back to God. Christ did all this through his death on the cross. Christ came and preached peace. 
to you who are far from God. You might be far from God right now. He came to bring peace to you, but you've got to accept Christ to be able to have that peace. Those of you that are near God, you might have this okay, but you don't have it okay there. Christ came for you as well. Yes, it is through Christ. We all have the right to come to the Father, one spirit, because of one blood. And so would you pray with me right now? Those of you that are far from God, this is your chance to come into relationship with him. Drop your rocks. Drop your issues. Drop those things and allow Jesus to come into your life. And when he does, you will no longer regard people from a worldly point of view. You'll see the world differently, and you'll be able to live in it differently too. Just say this. Say, Jesus, today I receive salvation. I receive what you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. I thank you that the division in my heart and the division in this world You broke the power of that divisive spirit, that spirit of hostility, that spirit of hatred was broken through Jesus Christ. Now, give me peace. And now help me to bring peace to the world in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, listen, my daddy used to say something to me when he, he used to have a sang in when he went to church, you know. And when anybody got saved, they used to sing this song. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels tell the story of a sinner that's come home. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I've got my sins forgiven. I am bound for heaven. You didn't know I could sing like that. Never more to roam. God bless you. Listen, if you just made that decision for Jesus Christ, I want you to do something. I want you to text CC saved. When you hit that little hand, you you raise your hand. And then I want you to text into that 97,000. And we're going to send you a what's next book. It's going to help you so much on your journey of faith faith. Congratulations on saying yes to Jesus. It's going to be the best decision you ever made. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's yours. God bless you.